Welcome back in. Spencer Sherman with you. 92-3, the fan. For those keeping score at home or just watching the score at home, Akron 83, Kent 70. Just went final. Boom. All right, Zips. I got a hot take about the Zips, actually. Uh, I was I felt good about them winning tonight. I was like, yeah, let's have some fun with this. And I, I got a take for you guys during Hot Take Friday. We'll do that in an hour. Hoping to get in touch with uh, my good friend John Doss here in a moment to talk. We're going to talk Browns, but we're also going to talk Cavs because apparently he's got something he really wants to get off his chest about uh, one Darius Garland. We'll see what he has to say. Cavs, by the way, are currently leading by one, 23-22. In the, uh, in the first quarter. So we'll see what they can do. They're in Philly tonight, hoping to avenge last night's loss to Orlando. Second game back after the uh, All-Star break, and they're looking to bounce back and, and win the second of their first two games back, second out of a back-to-back as well. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He is a good friend of mine in the show. He's the sports director at News Channel 5, WEWS. He joins us now on the hotline. It's John Doss. What's up, John? You guys appear to be still having AT&T issues, given how difficult it was for me to get connected <laughs> what, wait, here. What happened? No, I, mean, I probably sounded like a fool when you guys called me, and I'm, hello, 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 and nobody's talking to me. I was probably muted myself, but... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? That happens when you get older. You know, you just start pushing buttons. That you well, it's eight o'clock, and it might as well be midnight for me. The fact <laughs> you asked me to do this this late in the day—how dare you? You didn't even pay. You didn't even push back. I always ask. I'm like, hey, is this is it okay? Are you available? And you said, sure, absolutely. Well, so. on the rare occurrence that you ask me to do this, and I'm not on vacation somewhere, I usually will say yes. Even when you're on vacation, you say yes, which is why that's true. My wife does hate you. <laughs> That's why you're at the top of the list as my favorite guest for the show. Because you you say yes, rain, sleet, snow, doesn't matter. You'll be there. That's you're you're like the postman. That's all that matters. I like to be available for you. You know that. That's because you show up to my house and most recently took money. I think at the poker table. No, I lost. I lost. Money. Oh, did you? I okay. Mean, you, well, you, you, I, you you didn't take my money, but I I definitely ended up walking away with with less. Money I haven't left. taken anybody's money in months, unfortunately. <laughs> Yours or otherwise. Oh man. Well, we'll see if March has better fortunes for me or and you. But um, speaking of good fortunes, the Browns got some really good news today. With the salary cap ballooning to $255 million, a $30 million jump from what it was last year. My big question for you on this, because Andrew Barry said at the senior bowl, I think he was talking to the athletic, Zach Jackson, um, he mentioned that it wasn't necessarily a must-do move to you know rework Deshaun's deal and push some money down the line. How much less likely do you think it is that they do that, given this announcement of the cap today? I would say significantly less likely, right? That's that frees up a lot of cash that you were worried about not having because this is a organization that has had the luxury of having a ton of cap room, right? Yeah. The last handful of years, but now it's catching up to them. Watson's contract, Garrett's contract, Ward's contract. You got to sign some of these young guys like MJ Emerson. So uh, it's hard for me to believe 
you know, it, it's a two-way street, right? The organization has to want to restructure it in a certain way that is beneficial for the team, and the player has to also do that. And uh, let's see if that works out between these two. Is this at all – like? All I'm yeah, no, I <laughs> – I, I'm curious, like Barry saying that out loud um, publicly, um, the fact that the cap just ballooned today, like if they don't renegotiate or rework the contract and, and push some money down to these 40 years that they've added on to it, is that admission going into year three of this deal that even they maybe have some concerns about Deshaun Watson moving forward and whether or not this deal is going to end up worth it, where they're like, hey, we got to get some of this money off the books because it actually might not work out. Well, you know, Andrew Bear is a human being, too, and so are the people in this organization. And They have watched what we have watched the last two years, and they can say all the right things, which they are, and, and we have seen flashes of what could be a really good quarterback, right, the Tennessee game and the second half against Baltimore. These are the things that we're going to keep going back to, right, to keep our optimism up and to keep our um, – to keep us buoyed, right, but – I think this is an organization that's not blind. They understand that Deshaun Watson has not paid off in the way that they had hoped he would. And I think that there's still optimism that he could get there. But you're right. I don't think that this is a player that right now they're ready to tie themselves to for another couple of years. And and the fact that Barry would say that also leads me to believe, and I have no reason to think this other than my own personal beliefs is that maybe they've already had conversations with Watson and his camp, and maybe they're not to the point yet that they, that they could come to some kind of agreement on a restructure. Yeah, that's fair. Talking with John Dawson, the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Uh, in terms of free agency, I, I think wide receiver seems to be a, a position that everyone's talking about being a top priority for this team. And everybody in their mother's lining up to sort of rattle off who they, their favorite target could be for the Browns. Do you think it's more likely, though, especially given where this team's at financially, and, and even though the cap balloons the way it did today, they're still going to be up against it, um, even if they create some some extra space. Do you think it's more likely that they sign a, a wide receiver in free agency and, and, and maybe overpay for somebody, or that they would do what they've kind of done with guys like Zadarius Smith and Amari Cooper and maybe swing a trade for a wide receiver? I, I'm not sure. Really? I mean, we haven't seen Andrew Barry concentrate on a skill position player like that. Like Amari Cooper's been the only one that really has been, I mean, the biggest skill position signing that this team has had. This team has had so many other focuses. And now that they've got the secondary defensive line depth, uh, linebackers are much better than we thought. Although I think we all agree that they probably need to add at least another piece there. Uh, Offensive line depth is something that as you've seen is important uh, within this organization, but it seems now is the time for the move to the wide receiver, doesn't it? Like we speculated it on it last year, but there were other pieces that they needed and we weren't quite sure David Bell and some of these younger guys, how they were going to pan out. It feels like right now wide receiver is the move they need to make one way or the other. What other And, go ahead, and go ahead. depth in the backfield, obviously. Yeah, for sure. What um, You're not – we, we, it's pretty much been put to bed. Nick Chubb's coming back, right? Because it's, 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 it's funny, John, because like we we taught we brought this up like last year, I know on this station and it was a topic of conversation like, oh, that, you know, that that could be something that we have to talk about next year. And it feels like now all of a sudden, like the national media has jumped on board and they're all everyone and their mothers now writing about writing a story about how Nick Chubb could be a cap casualty. And it's like, where you guys been? And they must have missed what Andrew Barry said back in January. 
a UPS driver dropped off something to my porch today. It's the first time that I've had to sign for something in so long. And I opened the door, and the first thing he says is, I got to ask you, the Browns can't get rid of Nick Chubb, right? <laughs> and, and it's incredible how, how much of a talking point this has become and how, like, this w- was so unfathomable six months ago, right before the injury. Nothing in the NFL is off limits. You know this, especially with that position. If Nick Chubb comes back and he looks like Nick Chubb, I don't think there's any worries, right? This is a guy now who has an injury history with those knees. He is getting older, and I know his age in the scheme of all other humans on earth is not old, but in terms of NFL running backs, he is getting older. If he comes back and does not look like the same Nick Chubb that we have come to love in Cleveland, nothing is off limits. I am a believer that he's going to be on this football team this year. Uh, and then, you know, there, there will be tons of question marks after that when he's an unrestricted free agent. But nothing is off limits in the NFL. Not even fan favorites, heart of the city, running backs like Nick Chubb. Talking with John Doss here on the hotline. We'll, we'll go to Cavs here in a second, but I, I was talking to start the show off here just about, um, well, mostly just centered around like the cap space argument and, and the Deshaun contract and all these different things. But is I've been so curious this whole offseason because like bringing on Ken Dorsey to me feels like an admission almost that they, that, that Kevin Stefanski and what he wants to do just isn't necessarily the best fit for Deshaun Watson. Is the are the problems that have existed these first two years with these two together been more about just Deshaun hasn't been very good and he hasn't been the player that they thought they were getting or is it that it's like what Kevin Stefanski wants to do isn't necessarily what fits Deshaun's skill set or is it a mix of both? I think, I think if you ask Deshaun Watson behind a closed door and there was no camera and there was no microphone and um and you gave him some truth serum right he's not on a podcast. Very obviously, he has not played as well as as he thinks he should be playing. Nothing close to what we saw when he was an MVP candidate in in Houston. Nowhere close to that. And we've also seen that Kevin Stefanski, with a quarterback that suits his offense, can have immediate success. Even with the old guy, Joe Flacco, who got off the most famous couch in the NFL. So it's, it's somewhat of a combination of both. I don't think Watson has played well. And I don't think he fits the system. Now, I'm not blaming that on Watson because I think it is imperative in the NFL when you invest so much money into a quarterback with a specific set of skills that you tailor the offense around the quarterback. It's what Harbaugh did in Baltimore. He threw everything out. And look what has happened. It has led to tremendous success. If they want a Super Bowl, no. But it has led to tremendous success with Lamar Jackson because they, they turned that entire team around him. The Browns have not done that. And uh, this is now the second consecutive quarterback that has not necessarily fit Kevin Stefanski's mold. And the team has not acquiesced to that. And with Dorsey, it does feel a little bit like they're taking a step in that direction. This is a guy that had success as a quarterback coach with a similar skill set to Deshaun Watson with Josh Allen. And I, I think he's more an offensive coordinator. I think he's a quarterback coach for this team. And I think they're, they're taking a step in that direction. How can we alter what we do with this game plan and fit the strengths of our $40 million quarterback? I think that's well said. Uh, I'm going to pivot to the Cavs here because 
When I texted you about coming on with me tonight, your your response. Oh no, judge! Uh, your, your, careful, careful. All I no no I was gonna say was that Don't you throw me under the bus here. No 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 no, no. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna do it that way. I was just gonna say your response was that you have some things you want to mention about the Don. You, you want to talk about Don? You want to talk about Darius Garland? I almost said Donovan Mitchell. So I was gonna I say think everybody wants to talk about yes. Darius well, well, that, Garland. That was my, don't I, we? I'm not even gonna ask a question. I was just gonna let you have the floor to get off your chest what you have to say about about the problems with Darius Garland right now. Well, look, Donovan Mitchell didn't play last night. He's not playing tonight. You should be a worse team without your best player, yes. right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to rant about that later, yeah. This is not crazy that the Cavaliers would be worse without Donovan Mitchell. Question was, why were they so much better without Darius Garland? And I know that he has had moments. That step back that he had against Chicago, fantastic. Great. Uh, when the offense runs through Darius Garland, it is a slower offense. When this Cavs team has had success offensively this season, implementing J.B. Bickerstaff's new kind of run-and-gun offense, right? Yeah. It's when they're moving the ball. And all too often, I feel like we're watching Darius Garland, specifically last night. You can only dribble the ball so much, Spencer. And I just feel like the offense slows way down through him. And I don't think that it's a coincidence. I know he had his first double-double of the season last night. I don't think it's a coincidence that the offense looked considerably different when it was running through Darius Garland. Here's what I loved. When he came back from injury, and he was playing 18 to 22 minutes a game, and he was coming off the bench, and he was playing with that unit and could spell Donovan Mitchell and could give you 20 really good minutes. I love that. And I wish that the Cavaliers could implement that. The problem is, is you can't pay a guy $40 million to play 20 minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. That makes the, the contract definitely makes it hard. I, I guess like the, one of the biggest things I noticed with his game right now, it just doesn't seem like he's as willing or he, he's just not able to get past people and like attack the way he used to. And I don't know, like how much of this maybe sluggish offense do you think is about just him kind of getting more, more and more comfortable coming back from that injury? Is that a factor at all? You think there are in the NBA, everybody's very good, Right. Everybody's very yeah. good. Yeah, he's the best of the best at that. And but sport. there's a difference between good players, great players, and killers. Donovan Mitchell is a killer. Jimmy Butler is a killer. Steph Curry is a killer. LeBron is a killer. Those are guys who, in the fourth quarter, they want the basketball. They want to go to the hoop. They want to score. Darius Garland does not do that in the fourth quarter. This is not me trying to pile on Darius Garland. Darius Garland is a very nice guy. He's a good player. And I think would be a great player at 18 to $20 million a season. But when the fourth quarter comes around and it's winning time, he's not that guy. He hasn't been that guy. And I don't know if it's a, you know, ever since Mitchell came to to town, clearly this guy was an all-star just a few years ago, but there's something in him right now that he's not that guy. And that's fine. They got that guy. But again, the money is so important. Yeah. And uh, it just so, seems like he's not as confident as he needs to be in the fourth quarter. So what is the? How does this end? Then is this something that, like, if Mitchell says he does want to stay, you can you you can make it work? Can it work together? Because there are some advanced metrics that say they do play well together in certain areas. Um, or is it something where you're going to have to split them up somehow eventually? I think they can work well together. But again, everything comes back to the to the dollar figure, right? I think they can work well together, and they have worked well together. 
My issue is when the offense has to run through Garland. I got you. Right? Yeah. When they're on yeah, the court yeah. together, or Mitchell's in the game and, and he's on the bench and Garland's in spelling him, that has worked. The problem is, is when Mitchell's unavailable. And if this entire team hinges on Mitchell's availability, well, that's going to be difficult. But you're right. They have to have some kind of assurance from Donovan Mitchell that he's going to be around before they can do anything. Or think about doing anything with Garland because you can't possibly be left with no Mitchell and no Garland. That would be a disaster. Unfortunately, Spencer, and you know this, Mitchell is not going to be able to give them any assurances this season and probably next season. Last thing to get you out of here, um, like last night, I didn't want to make a mountain out of a molehill first game back after the All-Star break, Um, but they did get pushed around a little bit. So I, I guess my question for you is, what is the biggest thing that you need to learn from this team down the stretch to feel comfortable about them making a deeper playoff run than, than obviously last year or, or you know, to, to give us what we're looking for, I guess? All right. I, I want to put you on the spot. Did you listen to the press conference after the game and the, and the locker room interviews? We did play the press conference afterwards. I remember vaguely some of what B- Bickerstaff said. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. Every time they say the word physicality, I wince a little bit. <laughs> It's like they're trying to convince themselves about it. Well, because I was at Madison Square Garden for games three and four, and that was the word we continued to throw around, physicality. The Cavs were bullied. The Cavs struggled for the most part against Chicago, made some big shots late, and ended up winning that game just before the All-Star break. But Chicago was the more physical team. Orlando, last night, that's a big team. They were the more physical team. No Donovan Mitchell, I understand but they bullied the Cavaliers. Now, for the first three-quarters of the two-thirds of the season, we thought, hey, the Cavs learned. They're not the same team we saw in New York last year. They're more physical. Jared Allen's having the best season of his career. Evan Mobley's figuring it out. And then we get these little glimpses, like we did last night, that if a team goes into Cleveland or is hosting the Cavs on the road and their game plan is to push Cleveland around, they are still susceptible to that. My hope is that the Cavs are the team we saw the first two-thirds of the season, and uh, and they learn continuously from nights like last night. But it is a little alarming, right, that that's all we talked about all offseason, and it looked like something that was fixed. And then now, twice in the last three games, we're seeing it again. He's John Doss, sports director at News Channel 5, WEWS. Always appreciate his time. Go ahead and uh, please apologize to your, your lovely wife for me. I, I don't mean to take you away from family time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more so that you're uh, – well, I guess you didn't take my money, but uh, I will do that. I'll see you at the <laughs> poker table in a few weeks. Sounds good, John. I always appreciate you, my man. Take it easy.